0: Hey, Bomb Squad, welcome to Radio Cherry Bomb. I'm your host, Carrie Diamond. You might be wondering, where is the usual theme music? Well, this is a special Radio Cherry Bomb mini series called New Ways for the Holidays. Over the next few weeks, I'll be chatting with Cherry Bomb's favorite entertaining experts to get their tips and tricks on decorating, cooking, virtual celebrations, and more. We know the holidays are going to be very different this year, and we want to help you make the season special no matter how you're celebrating. On today's premiere episode, we have none other than Cherry Bomb fave, Athena Calderon of iSwoon. She's an interior designer, cookbook author, entertaining pro, and podcaster. Athena has even branched into designing housewares and has collaborated with other creatives on beautiful, luxurious pieces that you can find on her brand new website, AthenaCalderone.com. So stay tuned for my conversation with the lovely Athena. If you're new to the world of Cherry Bomb, be sure to head over to cherrybomb.com to learn more. You can subscribe to Cherry Bomb magazine while you're over there, or become a member of Cherry Bomb and join us for special events and monthly membership meetings. Also, thank you to the Wines of Sicily for sponsoring today's episode and supporting our New Ways for the Holidays miniseries. Gosh, I would love to be in Sicily right now drinking some Sicilian wine, and I'm sure most of you feel the same way. So let's hear a word from winemaker Giovanna Caruso.
1: Ciao to all of you Cherry Bomb Red listeners out there. My name is Giovanna Caruso and I'm a winemaker from Sicily. My family's story goes back to 1800s when my grandfather Nino started our business. Today, my sister Rosanna and I are committed to both the proud winemaking tradition of Sicily and the future of winemaking. A piece of my heart is in our wines and there's nothing I love more than when people discover the beautiful wines of Sicily. Whether it's Sicily Signature Lucido, a full-bodied white wine with its aroma of ripe citrus, melon and herbaceousness, which happens to pair beautifully with marinated antipasto dishes. Or Frappato, the fresh medium-bodied and beautifully balanced red, which pairs perfectly with everyone's favourite food pizza, our Sicilian wines can be enjoyed all year round or on a special occasion like the upcoming holiday season. Ask for Sicilia Doc the next time you are at your local wine shop or look for it on the label. The Wine of Sicily family sends you our best. Chin chin. Visit winesofsicily.com to learn more.
0: Now here's my conversation with Athena Calderon of iSwoon. Athena Calderon, what a pleasure.
2: I'm so honored to be chatting with you, Carrie.
0: And you too. And you too. Even though people can't uh, see this, it's very nice that we can actually see each other's faces from a distance on the computer. Exactly. Uh, But you are joining us to talk all about entertaining and the holidays today. And of course, we will preface that by saying we expect everyone to do the holidays safely this year. Absolutely. Whatever that means for you. Maybe you're alone with your cat. <laughs> maybe you are, it's just you and your roommate. And maybe you have a pod and you're celebrating with your pod. But however you choose to to celebrate this year, just, you know, be mindful, of course. We know the bomb squad is a very bright bunch and we don't need to say that, but we just want everyone to know that the conversation that follows is with that in mind. Absolutely. Amen.
2: Right, Athena? Amen. Yeah. And I will add to that, that even if you are just with your roommate or your immediate family or, or your, cat. With your cat, yeah, there is still celebration in creating beauty. And I think that, you know, even if you're um, having a, a holiday that looks very much differently this year, it can still there could still be ceremony behind it and there could still be intention and beauty behind it and joy. And joy,
0: Enjoy, absolutely. And Athena, that's why you're here. I'm just such a big fan. I mean, you know this. I'm just such a big fan of what you do, of your books, of all the positivity and the beauty that you put out into the world. I've been lucky enough to come to your home, see your beautiful home in Brooklyn and see what you create seemingly out of thin air and it's remarkable. So uh, we're going to share some of that with the folks today.
2: Thank you. Yeah. I was thinking the other day how much I love to entertain and I was trying to like distill and dissect what it is about why I love entertaining so much. And when I really think about it, it's like when I was really quite young and I hadn't quite figured out my path yet Entertaining gave me some sort of sense of purpose, because I hadn't quite figured out career yet. And I was just kind of, I I took ownership of creating something within my own home and within my own space. And it made me feel really proud. And I always loved kind of making my homes look beautiful. And I always loved cooking. And entertaining really became where those two things came together. But the holidays in particular is also what kind of became my early education in food and the culinary space, because I would be like, okay, I'm having like friends and family over, like let me dive in and really start to read reviews on recipes and I would challenge myself to learn like new techniques. And in a way entertaining just offered me a path that I could never have imagined. It just, uh, it became a place for me to take risks and to learn and to grow and to challenge. So yeah, it it makes me feel really happy that we're here talking about it right now.
0: You kind of beat me to my first question, was when did you
2: realize you love
0: to entertain?
2: I can remember as a, a child, Thanksgiving was always the holiday that we hosted in our home, in my mom's home, my childhood home. And, you know, obviously things were like definitely a little bit more fussier back then, like the way that, not fussy, because I didn't grow up fancy at all. Like my my family, you know, didn't come from an affluent background. And um, But the holidays was the time that we took out You know, my mom's china, which was black and white, which I thought, always thought was so chic. You know, like I feel like most moms or grandma's china is like floral and pink. Exactly. That's what my mom had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My mom had this like black and white paisley pattern. Wow. Yeah. China. And I always thought, God, that's so elegant. It's so chic. Um, so we would take out her china and we would press the linens and starch the linens, which of course is like so different than now. Oh
0: gosh, starch the linens. Who does that now except maybe some hotels?
2: I know. It's so crazy. I mean, I actually try to make my linens a little more wrinkly because I like <laughs> I like the look of that. I just remember there being this like ritual and excitement around this moment that I shared together with my mom. And that, you know, she would wake, also wake up at like 6 a.m. to put the turkey in the oven, which I never quite understood why she woke up that early. But like, I guess a turkey for a large group does take time. But I just remember there being all this excitement and ceremony and granular attention to detail. And it was something that excited me then. And it's definitely something I looked forward to those traditions. And then as I got, you know, I got married quite young and I had a baby quite young and we, my husband and I bought our first home in my 20s. And that's when I started hosting. Um, I guess when I had my son is when I started hosting the holidays at my house. And it just took me right back to those moments of having that memory with my mom, where I would just revel in like this idea of creating Something sensorial and beautiful, and like I said before, you know, exploring new new things in the culinary world, which I didn't call culinary world at the time. <laughs> it was just like, what am I going to cook? I remember like reading my first holiday. I remember you know reading all these reviews on um, Epicurus and cross referencing, and you know, reading you know what was a better pastry for my crostata, and I just. I loved the process of, even before the actual day of entertaining, I loved the lead up. I loved the lists and creating the lists and food shopping and, you know, looking at my menu and changing things out. And I just, it, it just became a place for me to dive into and express myself both creatively, visually, you know, with balancing flavors. It just, it, it was something that I naturally gravitated towards unknowing that I would ever, it would ever turn into a career.
0: Right. Right. Now let me ask a question because I know back then when you were a young mom, you were really searching for what your professional path was going to be, but you're also kind of shy, which a lot of people might not realize. Were you sort of hiding behind the food and hiding behind the process a little?
2: That's so funny that you said that because I I used to say that when I went out socially, I would stand behind a glass wall because I just never, I never wanted to open up and share anything because there was shame attached to not having a quote unquote career. I hadn't had, I didn't have a, a defined title. So I was just figuring it out. So I always felt a little shy about that. And I do think that the kitchen was also a way for me to hide it was a way for me to not, you know, to be so busy with, you know, prepping and chopping that I didn't always have to carry a conversation.
0: I'm sure a lot of people can relate.
2: Yeah, for sure. So Athena,
0: tell us about this year. How will you and the family be celebrating? Let's talk about Thanksgiving because this will air a little bit before then.
2: Yeah. So this year for Thanksgiving, it's, it's going to be myself and my husband and my son and likely just the three of us I was just talking with my mom yesterday about discussing if she was going to come or not and how to make sure if she did come if we were safe but it will just you know it'll be just us and that might change our menu a little bit I I'm pretty sure we're not going to make a turkey.
0: (gasps) No turkey. That's the big question this year.
2: No, I mean, to be frank, we're not big turkey lovers anyway. So
0: (laughs) I don't, I don't know many people who eat turkey throughout the year.
2: It's so interesting, isn't it? I mean, I have tried every turkey recipe, every brine, every, you know, on the grill. So you have you deep fried a turkey? I have not done the deep fry.
0: That's the best turkey. I'm going to go out there and say that.
2: Yeah. I mean, how do you get a pot large enough to deep fry? Uh,
0: you have to live somewhere not where we live. <laughs> um, you have to live somewhere with lots of space. You have to have your, what do you call it, fire extinguisher very close to you. Oh, my goodness. And you, you get a big fryer, a special fryer made for a turkey, and it cooks so fast, and it is the best turkey you will ever have.
2: I mean, I I believe you, but I'm not going to try it. (laughs) You know why? Because I really like whole roasted chicken. And they are always moist. And it's just perfect for our small family. I mean, I'm sure you can get a small turkey, but... You can pretend
0: it's a tiny turkey.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So I, look, I feel as though I feel very fortunate to have really enjoyed this time with my family throughout the pandemic. And, you know, it's kind of funny because my husband is a DJ and a music producer and he is constantly- and a world traveler. Exactly, he's right. constantly traveling. So, and my son is also 17 and a senior in high school and about to go off to college next year. So I'm kind of really leaning in and embracing this time in our home without socialization and just kind of enjoying these precious moments together. So I will still light candles and I will still pull out linens. I don't think that I will take out China, but I'll still make sure that, you know, it feels like a celebration in our home. And what I'll probably do is walk around. We're we're in Amagansett and I'm just looking outside right now and the leaves are changing so beautifully. So I might just like walk outside with my clippers and like clip a, changing leaf branch, you know, and, you know, lie it directly on my tablecloth on my table. And I might go to the farm stand and, you know, get a couple of like squash and gourds and just kind of put those out on the table. I might clip some sage because sage is such like a fall herb to me and like tie it in a little bundle and put it, or even just like tuck it into my napkin. But I, I'll i still find ways to celebrate the season and to create something that feels relevant to this time of year and that speaks to my menu. I like to try to be holistic for whatever decor I put on the table for it to relate back to my meal, hence the sage. Yeah,
0: let's let's do a little deeper dive into the decor. Cat had remi- our producer Kat had reminded me about this that you also taught a class at Cherry Bomb University, which was I think like 2 years ago, yesterday or something.
2: It was. And you know what's crazy is that that was Really the first time I gave like a seminar, quote unquote, about how I set the table and it was not so dissimilar. I think it was around fall time as well, but Mm -hmm. I feel like I had gone that morning just to the farmer's market and I just collected some pear and, you know, I will say if you're going to go to the farm stand and you're going to use edible elements for your decor to like actually try to, when you pick your pears, try to find a more petite one, or maybe one that where the leaves are still clinging to it. You know, I'm that crazy person that I'm like, can you pull out that bottom little, you know, box? Because I see a couple of leaves, you know. So I I really love to think 360 degrees about what I'm using as decor and make sure that it is always seasonal, but also that like I said before, that it it speaks to whatever I'm cooking with. So, you know, you could pick up a bundle of sage, you can pick up a bundle of radishes, you know, things that are going to bring color to your table, but also are not going to be wasteful, especially right now. We don't want to be wasteful. So, you know, if I buy a, a cute little acorn squash or a delicata squash, they can you know, be used for my meal or for the week's meal, but they could also be a a beautiful element on the table. And I realize that these are going to be intimate times and it's just going to be yourself and your family. But there's still a moment to have an expression of appreciation and beauty. So why not just put on some music and, you know, play with your food a little bit? (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, one of the things, Athena,
0: that I that I love about you is you create something that is so beautiful and almost looks slightly unattainable. But when you break it down, a lot of the things you talked about are things you can buy in a grocery store. They 100% are. I'm always so struck by the beauty that you are able to create with these natural elements. And I've seen you do it with twine. You know, I saw you walk into Cherry Bomb University with that box and, you know, you had crumpled linens and you had fruits and vegetables and twine and herbs. And next thing I knew you had, and some candles. You do love a candle. I do. And next thing I knew it was just really beautiful. So I think it's rather than look at, look at these gorgeous tablescapes. Maybe you're seeing all over Instagram right now and being intimidated by them and breaking them down and thinking, how did this person build this? That I think is where your gift really comes through. Like, you know, how to layer and set up these little vignettes. And obviously color is a big way to do that. Can you talk about color?
2: Yes. I tend to really love a neutral palette, but I do think that strategic pops of color are really important. And I think that when you are creating any tablescape to really think about the palette, think about the color linens you want to use, the candles you want to use, because, There are some great websites now where you can get like a beautiful ochre yellow candle or like a burnt brick color candle. And those both speak to what's happening out in the natural world with the color of our leaves right now. So I usually like to keep things rather neutral and then pick a couple of areas that I want to inject bits of color. But beyond color, another thing that I feel that it's really important when I'm starting to put a tablescape together is varying heights. So I like to make sure the candlestick holders are different heights, or maybe I burn down some of the candles a little bit. So the candles overall are different heights, but I also love to take a cake stand for instance. And recently I did, um, I broke down very similar to when I did for Cherry Bomb University. I took a cake stand and I just took a small little mason jar, nothing fancy. And I just stuck a Bunch of sage in it where it came kind of cascading out. And then I took these little mini eggplants mixed with larger eggplants and I nestled that around on this very small cake stand. And all of a sudden it was like this purple and green cascading moment that was inexpensive, very simple. But if everything was flat on my table or even in a bowl, it would be all at one level. So I'm always trying to think of how to build something up so that it can begin high and kind of cascade lower. But I also love to just clip a branch, like I said before, and place it directly on the table because it has this really pretty sculptural movement and element. So, yeah, I mean, if there's one thing that I always say is simple ideas thoughtfully executed. Like None of this needs to be expensive, but it can be really beautiful. And I don't know, I know I said it before, but like, look, we all need something to fill our time right now. Like put some music on, take all of these elements, take some twine and wrap it around your napkins and just like, just play, just make it, even if it's not necessarily in your wheelhouse. And even if it comes out, not as beautiful as you want it to be, it's, it's a fun exercise. You know, you get to walk around it and look at it from different points of view and, I mean, this is what I kind of get excited about, and I don't know if it'll speak to everyone, but I find it really fun and I like to take photos of it as well. So yeah, that's kind of, that's, that's my jam. (laughs) So let's
0: talk about your menu. So you mentioned there will not be a turkey on the Calderon table this year. There will not. But you'll probably roast a chicken.
2: I will roast chicken and I will probably put some carrots and maybe some squash and like shallots. I love a roasted shallot. Um, And I love to roast halved lemons because they just get so soft and delicious and almost they almost start to taste when you roast them at a high heat, like a preserved lemon sometimes.
0: I'll often put lemons at the base of a chicken when I roast it Mm -hmm. and they're so good. So good. Yeah. What kind of squashes? I did. I, I I feel like you do every kind of squash, but what kind of squash? And how will you make it?
2: I'm probably just well. I love to make um, delicata squash agrodolce, like and use that sweet and sour and spicy combination. If I put them in my chicken, I won't do that. I'll probably just. I think delicata squash is nicer roasted on its own. I think I would do a heartier squash around my chicken, like an acorn or a kabocha. I always get confused if it's kombucha or kabocha. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or kabocha. I, or kabocha. I, right. I think we have the same farmer's market, but yes. I'm sure a lot of people walk up and ask for the kombucha squash. <laughs> I'm sure I've done that a few times too. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I have to. I have to think. I have to think before I say it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. Tell us how you roast your chicken, because I know that is very personal to everyone.
2: Yes. Well, I actually have a little bit of a funny story about, well, let me back up for a minute. I never used to make a whole roasted chicken and I developed a recipe for my cookbook because everyone was like, you need a whole roasted chicken. And I was like, but I don't need whole
0: roasted chicken. God forbid you don't have a whole roasted chicken in your cookbook. Oh my goodness. that's, That's a cookbook writer joke.
2: It's a thing. It's a thing. Anyway, it is now my hands down favorite meal to make for my family and my favorite recipe in my cookbook. And I only, I put butter under the skin. I stuff the inside with a half lemon and a half garlic, head of garlic. But when I first was kind of doing the promotion around Cook Beautiful, I ended up going to LA and cooking at Chef Ludo's house. I went into his house and we decided to make my whole roasted chicken together. And we're going through the process of making the chicken. And he just looks at me in his, you know, chic French, Accent and says, You're cheap with your butter. (laughs) That's so funny. What what is this? Two, you know, two tablespoons of butter. You know, you you need a whole stick of butter. That's funny that you
0: say that because I've only eaten at one of his restaurants and it was that little one in the strip mall across the street from Nancy Silverton's restaurant. It was the richest damn meal I ever had in my life.
2: Interesting. So now we know lots of butter. Lots of butter. All right. So now you use a whole stick? I use a whole, not all underneath the skin. I probably use like maybe six tables, you know, like okay. four to six tablespoons under my skin. And then the rest I put around the vegetables. So I will trust my chicken, which I still feel like every time I trust my chicken, it, it is a little different.
0: <laughs> oh my God. That's so funny. I thought you said, I'm so tired. I was up so late working on the new issue last night. I thought you said, I trust the tea, my chicken. And I'm like, I never heard of that concept, trusting your chicken. (laughs) Like your chicken will tell you what to do. No, you trust your chicken. Oh my God, so funny.
2: It's hilarious. (laughs) I like to trust my chicken as I trust my chicken. (laughs) What I don't trust is my ability to trust. (laughs) It's funny. Well, I trust my chicken and it comes out a little bit different every time. And then I just chop, I slice my carrots um, vertically in half and I do either half or whole shallots and I do um, half heads of garlic and lemons and just, and then I'll do the squash as well and just scatter that all around, making sure that I don't overcrowd the pan. So it gets nice and caramelized. And then I, I, ro- I roast it I roasted at high heat. I think I do either 425 or 450 for about an hour. And I also put sumac on my chicken, which I really love sumac. It has that, you know, really beautiful, bright acidity to it. And I usually serve it with either labneh or Greek yogurt. Oh, sounds so good. Yeah, it's really good. Does the skin get crispy? The skin gets crispy and you have to be a little careful with the sumac because sometimes it can burn or, you know, it doesn't always look as pretty because the sumac gets brown. But I like a crispy skin chicken for yeah. sure. I do love spashkaka
0: chicken. The downside to that is it's really hard to get the skin crispy because it cooks so fast.
2: Oh, interesting. I've never done that. It's so funny. As we're talking about this conversation, I'm like, did we also talk about this on the first time we recorded for Cherry Bomb Radio? Maybe. The last (laughs) time we talked, it was about, I think, wellness. Oh, yeah. I doubt
0: we were talking about spatchcocking chickens. But why do you trust your chicken? Like I said, I spatchcock or or I just roast it whole. I don't trust it. But now I'm wondering, do I need to? trussing my
2: chicken I think just because if it if the legs kind of span out and the wings span out they get too crispy so it just keeps it a little bit tighter together I don't really know why but when I when I went to my quasi culinary school I learned how to truss a chicken and I you know I just maybe I'm like flexing or want to celebrate something I learned in culinary school (laughs) it's probably not necessary but I do it
0: and it looks, it's picturesque, I will say that much. So what else is on your menu? Are there any Thanksgiving sides that you love?
2: Okay, so what is always on my menu is, so my nonna used to make these whipped, I won't even say mashed potatoes. She made these whipped sweet potatoes that were just like the one staple that was always on our Thanksgiving table, no matter what. And when she passed away, it was um, the same year that I got married. So I was 24 years old. And for like two or three years after she passed, everyone in my family tried to replicate the sweet potatoes and nobody could do it. And finally, I was like, all right, I'm taking this on. And I had her recipe and I I was like, good God, this is a heart attack waiting to happen. It was like maple syrup and brown sugar and heavy cream, and cream cheese. So Nona served you dessert. Nona basically served dessert in a sweet potato form. Anyway, I, I have since tweaked her recipe to make it a little less heart attacky, but equally as good. And now I use, my Nona certainly did not have a Vitamix. Um, she just used like a hand mixer, which I think is why nobody was able to get them as creamy as her, because she might've done it for like hours at a time. But um, anyway, I use my Vitamix now, and they are the silkiest and creamiest sweet potatoes. So that is always on our menu. Have you put that recipe out into the universe yet? You know, when I first launched iSwoon, I put it out there. It's um, on there. Okay. It's on there. But I should probably redo it because it, you know, when I first launched the site, my images were blurry and oversaturated, and my writing was grammatically horrific. <laughs> You are a good writer. I doubt it was that. Film. Oh, goodness. I mean, not back then, but thank you. What's also super sweet is that my it's become a family tradition that since my son was born, we every single year together make the sweet potatoes. It's become, Aww. you know, and I never necessarily made them with my nana or with my mom, but it just has become the tried and true staple in our family for Thanksgiving. And I always think I make enough and it's never enough. But now that it's only going to be the three of us this year, we'll certainly have enough. Tell us a few other sides. I always like to make a cranberry chutney. That was also something growing up that my mom used to make that I never would touch. But I love I love playing with flavors, right? I love playing with flavors and textures. And that is across my cooking, but also even how i, you know, design a space it's all about different textures, but i love the tartness of cranberry with the kind of sweet and creaminess of the sweet potatoes. So i always I, I always think about texture and flavor and so i'll definitely make a preserved lemon cranberry chutney and i'll probably make something green like a kale salad, although my son doesn't love kale, so maybe i'll make like a crunchy romaine salad which he loves. But I, I tend, to, I well, I, sh- I guess I've learned over the years. But I used to make too much, and I used to be too ambitious with my menu, and I just think less is more. I love stuffing, so I'll make a stuffing. How do you do your stuffing? I love my mom's stuffing, and she makes a sausage stuffing. And over the years, I've tried to get like fancy and look on Bon Appetit and New York Times and find some like new fancy stuffing that has different things in it, but my mom's stuffing is just the way I go. And it's a sausage, celery, mushroom, saute with onion, and then crumbled up sausage. You know, one thing, my mom always stuffed the bird with the stuffing. And that's become like a quite a controversial thing if that is appropriate or not.
0: My mother would do the same and we live to tell the tale amazingly, but apparently it's it's because of bacteria and the, the stuffing not cooking to a high enough temperature. So yes, I think they recommend leaving the stuffing out now.
2: Yeah. Well, I will not stuff my chicken with stuffing, so I'll just make it separately. <laughs> and then
0: how about dessert? We didn't talk about dessert yet.
2: I love like a fruit tart Slash pie moment But my husband loves chocolate So um, I don't know If I'm going to make two desserts this year But I make a maple bourbon Pumpkin pie That I really love That is a riff on something from Bon Appetit That I really love So I will likely make that because I don't know pumpkin pie is like the thing you Make at this time of year But I also I don't know I might make a chocolate Bread pudding this year Ooh which just feels really decadent and it's not something you make often. What we used
0: to do at my coffee shop when we would have leftover croissants, we would make chocolate bread pudding with the croissants.
2: Yeah, we, I like to make it with brioche, but that sounds amazing with croissant as well. Yeah. Oh, well, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm looking forward to it. To be honest, like I haven't, I haven't put a ton of thought into mm-hmm. it. I mean, it's, it's really coming up soon, but yeah, I, I think it'll come together in the last moments.
0: So I wanted to talk to you about virtual celebrations. I know you are a master of the IRL celebration in real life, but we're all doing more Zooms, more digital things. Do you have any tips for how to make a virtual Thanksgiving more festive?
2: Interesting. Well... I mean, this maybe it doesn't answer your question exactly, but I will say that I haven't been able to see my dad in, you know, since February. So I do think that it's like so important to find a way to create virtual celebrations, not only for like friends, because in the past couple of years, I have had more friends at my Thanksgiving, like in earlier years, it was just family. But so I'm going to miss that this year. So I think rather than doing everything... Like a big party, like a, what is that site called that you can do like uh, multiple people? It's oh, I don't know. House party.
0: House party, okay.
2: House party. Um, you could do like a bunch of people at once. Um, but I tend to find that a little bit overwhelming. But I think that. I will kind of schedule, uh, My maybe my dad will do like appetizers with, and we always love to play a game together on the holidays. So maybe we'll try to find a way to play a game virtually. And I think that just having that one-on-one time, maybe like our pod as a family, and then my mom and my dad and my brother lives in Florida. So in a way, I kind of feel as though in years past, I was never able to celebrate Thanksgiving with my brother because he was in, in Florida, but like in a way that this has encouraged us all to make sure we stay connected. So I think we're going to plan some sort of game to play as a family, like maybe before dinner as like an appetizer moment. When you say game, what kind of game do you think? Well, growing up, we always used to play Rummy 500 <laughs> or like Rummy Cube. So I might do that, but I don't know. cards. Cards Against Humanity is also fun, but a little raunchy, so that might be better after we've all had a little bit of booze at the end of the night. <laughs> and then I think we'll just, as a family, have our actual meal together and really use that moment to connect um, kind of deeply together. I um, recently bought a book of quotes. It's I, I just bought it at like the card store. What's that card store on Smith Street?
0: Oh, Paper Source. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So I recently bought a book there that is just very simple, you know, brown paper with black lettering and every page, the whole book is just quotes and it's perforated edges. So you can rip the quote out, but I am going to um, put a quote, whether on, you know, each of our family members dinner plate or maybe like roll up some of the quotes with some twine and have everyone choose one and read it out loud. And, you know, As I'm talking to you right now, maybe I'll go and I'll rip out different quotes and mail them to some of my friends and some either mail them or email them. But, you know, it could be really nice since we're not together to all be on a virtual kind of Zoom or that house party and and read our quotes out loud and spark a conversation surrounding gratitude, just finding ways to connect. More, I think is really important right now and, and find something to, you know, find, find gratitude in. I think an activity is
0: key because I know a lot of us have been stuck on Zooms where we're all kind of just staring at each other and asking, okay, what, what do we do next? Um, but then I love that idea, Athena, of sending something to the folks you'll be celebrating with. Yeah. Even if it's a simple note through the mail.
2: Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't really thought of that until now, but it it could really be nice. And it's also exciting to get a piece of mail and maybe everybody opens them together. Oh, that's a cute idea. Everybody opens it at the same time. Mm -hmm. Totally. The past two Christmases, we actually took my kitchen island, and I always have this, you know, centerpiece with these big branches. But we took it um, off the past two holidays, and we just had this big square island, and we used it almost as like a. We turned it into a quasi casino. We played left, right, center with like a big pile of money in the center, um, and that was really fun. So I don't know. Maybe there's a way that you can, you know, find a way to to play some interesting board game or card game. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I'm thinking. And, and I think that, you know, perhaps you schedule certain things with certain friends, like maybe you have a group of friends that get together, like, you know, for dessert, and then another group that get together to play a game and something to look forward to, especially for people that are going to be alone. So Athena, you have so many
0: projects going on right now. Well, well first, let me say thank you so much for the, the food and the entertaining chat. I I love hearing what you're doing, and I just love watching what you put together all throughout the year, but especially at the holidays. But you, my friend, have a lot of projects that you do and a lot going on. You are also a podcaster. You have a beautiful podcast, More Than One Thing. Yes. For those who haven't checked it out, you definitely should. So tell people the concept behind More Than One Thing.
2: Sure. I um, have as I said earlier, never really been able to define what it is that I do. And I have a lot of creative interests and there was a lot of uncertainty and shame surrounding that for a very long time because I always thought that you needed to succeed at one thing or you needed to excel at one thing in order to define yourself as successful. And it really was only once I began to embrace the multifacets of my interests that I Found success and found my voice. That is what made me unique. And look, I still sometimes struggle with it. Like, oh, you know, would I have more success or opportunities if I was only in food? Or would I be doing more, you know, product furniture collaborations if I only did design? And I still feel as though people. often don't know what to make of me. So more than one thing was a way for me to talk with other creatives who also have a lot of varied interests and facets to their personality, to their careers, and really wanting to share creative stories of how people found their path. Because I do believe that it's like the twists and the turns and the getting lost and the uncertainties and the complexities that we need to overcome or heal that make us interesting as creatives i love to learn i'm so curious i love to learn about different people's stories and i i always ask a lot of questions you know what their greatest hurdle was and how they overcame roadblocks to what was the catalyst or the series of moments that allowed them to finally embrace themselves or feel embraced by the outside you know, or a combination of both. So it's just very much candid conversations about creativity of people that are multi-hyphenates that have a lot of hyphens to what they do. And it's just been, it's gotten such a great response. I opened the first season with my own story because uh, I had my best friend interview me because a lot of people, you know, just see me as somebody that, you know, lives a certain way and, you know, shares, you know, a very curated life, but I, I, I didn't have a a obvious linear career path and it took me a while to figure it out. And I just think that a lot of people are similar to me and it's important for other people to hear those stories so that they can feel a little bit safer on their unknown journey. So I'm sure
0: you found this, but I found this in doing Radio Cherry Bomb that after you've done a few dozen interviews, themes start to emerge. And I was curious, not what themes have emerged, but what sort of one piece of advice have you been able to glean from interviewing all these very interesting people? What has kind of bubbled up to the surface?
2: I have really found it fascinating that the majority of creatives are often riddled with self-doubt but they have found a way to champion that or not let that stop them in their path, that it has actually propelled them to explore more. Or, you know, I don't know if it's perfectionism, if it's self doubt, if it, I don't, I don't, I can't quite put my finger exactly on what it is, but I do think that there is this common thread of curiosity and self-reflection that causes you to dive a, just a little bit deeper and not to be complacent. But I think that the thing that I've learned from everyone that I talk to is that they have found a way to not let their fears debilitate them. Everyone that I've talked to from, you know, Jenna Lyons to Nate Burkis to, you know, Naomi Watts, everybody has that 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 bit of themselves that has a, has a lot of uncertainty on how they're going to move forward or has conflict that um, makes them interesting. So I think that you know there is beauty to be found in being, having a complex mind and how we can um, celebrate that rather than let that stop us from exploring ourselves. Now, you've also
0: launched a brand new website so fans of yours know the iSoon website very well, but you recently launched athenacalderon.com. So tell us what that's about and how is it different from iSoon?
2: Well, iSoon, you know, started in, I think it was 2012. And it was really about both the culinary and entertaining sides of myself. And it started about design, but it wasn't it really became about entertaining for the most part and, um, and cooking and sharing recipes. And as I was working on my second book, which came out in March, Live Beautiful, I realized that people really want design from me. You know, Even what performs the best on my Pinterest and even on my social channels is, is interior design. And I felt like it was an interesting platform for me to explore that really celebrated just my design work so athenacalderon.com was really about just interior design and i knew that i wanted to launch product after my second book came out and i felt as though launching you know an e-com site for product collaborations on athenacalderon.com was was smarter than putting it on isoon you know it's still you know as i was saying my more than one thingness and my constantly kind of questioning it's like should I just stick to Ice Woon? Should I develop my own name? And I constantly go back and forth, and I probably always will. But it just felt as though um, my design work wanted its own identity. So that's, that's what I decided.
0: So you mentioned some of your design collaborations. Can
2: you tell us about a few of those? Yes. I really love vintage curation and I really love ceramics. And it's one thing that people ask me about all the time is, you know, where I got certain pieces within my home. And um, I usually start every day setting an intention, lighting either incense or, you know, burning palisanto. And I had this like beautiful little vintage bowl that everyone would ask me about. And, you know, I really, I've, I've I wouldn't say Russell's, but I've thought for a really long time, like, okay, if I want to develop product, what do I want it to be? And I really started to look to what people wanted from me. And I kept coming up against every time I would show, you know, my morning ritual, everyone would always ask about this like precious little vessel that I got. And if there's one thing that has been a through line throughout my career. It's been my community and collaboration and leaning on one another. And I just started to think, I have so many friends that are ceramicists and I've reached out to my friend, Cameron Bishop, who I've known for years, who has a ceramic line called Bow Rush. And I said, you know, what do you think about Creating, you know, a, a series of, of vessels or bowls that are inspired by this vintage one. So it, it's been a constant conversation. But I, I love texture. I love patina. I love ceremony. I uh, love terracotta. So we we developed these bowls, one very petite one, and one kind of larger one that can go from your kitchen to hold, you know, fruits and vegetables onto your tabletop. So I just recently this week actually launched that collaboration. Congratulations. I know that means a lot to you. It really does. I'm excited to kind of spread my wings into a new arena. And, you know, this journey has continued to unfold in ways I could have never imagined. But having something tangible um, is something I've I really wanted. Um, and I really set an intention to do that. And it's, it's exciting. I mean, we legitimately just launched two days ago. And I, I think within like two days, we almost have 120 orders. So uh, yeah, it's exciting. And then, you know, I also love a design moment. I love a surface. I love to style any surface in any area. And I I had also this beautiful wooden board that was a leftover piece of wood that I've had for 10 years that I rest on my bathtub. And every time I post an image of my bathroom, everyone was like, where did you get that bath caddy? Where did you get that piece of wood? And I always would just respond like, oh, I made it. Oh, it was a leftover piece of wood. So again, I looked to my community of what people wanted from me. And I was like, okay, like this is something clearly people are interested in. So again, I reached out to um, a woman, Eileen, who I developed a beautiful friendship with over the years. Years over Instagram. Her company is called The Wooden Palette. She, I reached out to her and she, I said, Do you want to do this together? Like I think that it could be really interesting to make these beautiful wooden boards that rest upon your bathtub to place, you know, a book or wine or a candle, just another surface to create something beautiful when you're not using your bath, but also when you are using it. And she was so excited because she had taken down and milled wood, eucalyptus wood from this property in Los Angeles. And she didn't know exactly what she was going to use it for. And she was just like, this is so perfect because, you know, eucalyptus can really hold moisture well. So it just seemed so perfect. And she was waiting for the right moment to use this wood that she had been drying out for five plus years. So um, I just love this idea of collaborating with these artisans who, you know, have, have so much pride in what they do and that I have an opportunity to bring my sense of design and style to somebody that, you know, is already creating something and that we get to build something together. So that also just launched and it's, uh, there's a series of three different colors. All of them look completely different because they have a different shape from, you know, the natural edge of the, the wood and they, we're doing them in like a darker ebony, a natural, and a whitewash color. Well, these sound like such beautiful, thoughtful collaborations, Athena. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm, I'm very proud of them, and I'm, I'm excited to, you know, explore this next chapter.
0: Oh, good. Well, we're excited to follow along, 100%.
2: Thanks. We're going to wind things down, Athena.
0: This is a big question, but a simple one. What are you thankful for this year?
2: I am... Really thankful for my family, for having these very tender moments. Um, I started cooking with my son uh, this year, which um, I used to do when he was a baby, but, you know, he became a teenager and kind of stepped stepped away from that. So it's been really fun to have him, you know, choose a, a recipe and for us to develop it together and to really see him follow somewhat in my footsteps and feel that pride of, you know, sharing something that I'm so passionate about with him. Um, I'm really so grateful for getting a puppy and (laughs) the joy of, um, I almost feel like I have another child. Like the three of us are so in love with him. Like it's just been this really tender moment where like, we've all appreciated our home more and nature more because we get to experience it with our puppy. And, um, so that's been really great. Um, and you know, I just feel like we've slowed down so much that you, um, you just start to really put things into perspective of what's what's most important. And I've really had to carve out more time to have like deep, meaningful conversations, even with my mom. You know, sometimes life just gets so busy that everything is so rapid and fast and even our conversations are. So life has slowed down so much in this past year that I've just been much more cognizant and mindful to have and to share more with the people that that mean so much to me.
0: All right, we're going to do a quick speed
2: round. Yes.
0: Holiday speed round, ready? Yes, ready. Pumpkin spice, yay or nay? No, nay. If you could invite one guest, past or present, to your holiday dinner, who would it be and why?
2: I feel that Diana Vreeland would be a very fun and colorful person to bring to my table.
0: Oh, I would love to eavesdrop on a conversation between the two of you. I think she likes the color red a lot more than you do. And animal print. What's a holiday song that makes you smile?
2: Well, this isn't Thanksgiving, um, but the holiday song that makes me smile is um, Feliz Navidad because my son as a child used to say Feliz La Vila. So (laughs) whenever it comes on, that's how we sing it. And it always brings a smile to my face. Pie of choice. I love a pumpkin pie so much, especially at this time of year.
0: If you could get one gift this year, Athena, what would it be?
2: If I can get one gift this year, it would be to be able to be around people more safely.
0: Safely. Yes. Same. Same here, Athena. Um, Well, Athena, it's always a pleasure spending time with you. I'm sad it's not in person, but hopefully soon enough we'll be able to see each other. Um, You are so wonderful and creative and warm, and I can't thank you enough for sharing what you and your family will be doing this holiday season.
2: Thank you so much, Carrie. I really appreciate it. I didn't get to ask you what you were doing for your holidays. You know what?
0: I don't know. I have a, I have a huge family and I think that we nobody wants to sort of have to deal with um, the thought of not being together. So, you know, I'm one of five kids right. and, um, and we all live, you know, not super close, but close enough. So uh, the answer right now is we haven't even talked about it.
2: Well, if you want to join me on a Zoom, you are more than welcome.
0: (laughs) That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much to Athena for speaking with me and sharing some tips with all of us. Check out athenacalderone.com to learn about Athena's books, projects, and more. Thank you to the Wines of Sicily for supporting new ways for the holidays. And thanks to Giovanna Caruso for sharing her winemaking story. I'm looking forward to meeting you one day and seeing your winery. Be sure to ask for Sicilia Doc, or DOC, however you like to say it, at your favorite local wine shop. And visit winesofsicily.com for more. Radio Cherry Bomb is edited by Kat Gorelli and produced by Cherry Bomb Media. You are the bomb, and I hope your holidays are too.